Well, when, as we begin a new sermon series focused on the Holy Spirit, uh, we are going to read several scripture texts this morning that enlighten us on who exactly this Spirit is uh, and the work that he does in the world. Starting with Job chapter 33, verse 4, which says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Our second reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17. And this is quoting the prophet Joel, who says, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Our third text comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 17. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. And lastly, we have a scripture from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as Bree mentioned, uh, today we begin a three-part series of messages on the Holy Spirit. But before we get that, get there, I'm really excited about the series. Um, I want to share a little story about our church van. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were on a men's retreat down in Price, Utah, and there was, uh, I don't know, 45 guys or so down there. And uh, on Saturday, um, we went into different groups in different places to do different things. And uh, eight guys got in, in the church van and uh, experienced a wonderful tour through Nine Mile Canyon. Nine Mile Canyon is this beautiful, majestic canyon that runs through there. And the petroglyphs and the rock art is phenomenal. And hours into the day, I get a phone call from one of the guys saying, Chris, the van has broken down, and I think it might be dead. Uh, the engine seems to be dead. Turns out the van uh, was out of oil, not because we didn't put oil in it, but because there was a leak of some kind. And, uh, and sure enough, there was no oil. And so it seized up and, uh, and it said, no more, I'm done. And so apparently when you run an engine without any oil, eventually it will go and the pistons will lock up and it will say kaputs. So we sent a couple of uh, guys to retrieve our, our men, which we did, and they got back to the lodge. Uh, we called AAA and had the van towed to the local Ford dealer, and so other than the expense, everything was fine, and uh, we enjoyed the rest of our time together, and it was a wonderful retreat. As I was thinking about that this past week, and I was thinking who we, uh, who we are as Christians and how we live our lives as Christians, a lot of us sometimes can be like that Ford Transit. 
We have a lot of potential, but uh, sometimes it's as though our engine has run out of oil, our relationship with the Holy Spirit has run dry, and we're trying to operate on our own power and on our own strength, and our soul runs dry, and eventually we just break down, and we say no more. Um, uh, We haven't kept our engine oiled. I could belabor this analogy, but uh, I don't think motor oil is the most beautiful image for the Holy Spirit. Um, So I'll move on. For the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the power of the Holy Spirit and how do we live in the power of the Holy Spirit and how do we experience um, the power and presence um, of God in the Holy Spirit. And so uh, what we're going to be talking about is really basic and fundamental um, biblical perspective perspective on who the Holy Spirit is. For some of you, this will be um, new if you've not heard this basic teaching on the Holy Spirit uh, before, and it might be clarifying in some ways as well as mystifying. Uh, For others of you, this may just be a reminder, but for all of us, if we want to progress in the spiritual life, this is the foundation. This is the starting point. These are the roots, um, you, you might say, for experience. Experiencing God's presence, peace, and power in our lives is by making ourselves available to the Holy Spirit. And so to that end, I'd like to invite us to pray uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill us anew. Fill us with your presence, with your peace, with your power. Give us your wisdom. May we know you. May we follow you. Give us ears to hear eyes to see, and hearts to respond to everything you would have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to begin by clarifying uh, who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? When we think about this, Christians uh, talk about God in Trinitarian terms. This is really important for us, I think, especially in Utah. We, we say that there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each of the three persons of the Trinity is of the same essence, of the same material um, uh, as God. And so, um, the, we, and this is the mystery of the Trinity. And I believe that when we get to heaven, you know, and, and we see God, it will make sense. We'll go, oh, that's, that's, what, that's how this whole Trinity thing works. Because three pounds of gray matter on the top of our head is just not quite good enough to comprehend this mystery. Um, so there is mystery here. But I want to give you one way of thinking about the Trinity. We think about God the Father, who's the creator maker of all things who, who uh, creates us, right? And then we think about Jesus Christ, who is the begotten Son of God. It's not God's child. Um, it, it is the essential nature of God. It is God incarnate, Jesus Christ. And then uh, we talk about, um, Jesus then talks about and walks among us and shows us who God is, um, what God is like. He suffers and dies for us. And then he tells us that he's going to send us this Holy Spirit who will act as our counselor and our sustainer. And so the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, and next week we remember that, fills us with God's imminent presence. 
So we have God the Father Almighty, the Creator. We have Jesus Christ who is God incarnate, God in flesh and blood. And then we have the Holy Spirit who is God's presence with us. God is always present with us and to us. Just as Bree reminded us with the children, when we breathe, uh, that is how close God is uh, to us. And that's the Holy Spirit. A way of picturing that is something that was developed in uh, the 12th uh, century, um, and uh, it's called the shield of faith. You can see it here, it's in Latin. So you have pater means father, filius means son, spiritus sanctus means sacred spirit or holy spirit, and you have non est means is not, and est is is, and deus is means God. So the diagram is like this. The father is not the son, the Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. The Father is God. The Son is God. And the Spirit is God. Now, doesn't that just clear it all up for you? <laughs> There's the mystery all right there in a little diagram. It was put together. Here's an image of the first um, attested you know, rendition of this. It was put together by um, a bishop named Peter of Pontier, um, actually officially in, in the year 1210. They are distinct and yet they are one God in three persons. This is what the earliest believers um, have professed and to, still to this day. The whole thing is incredibly confusing and yet at the same time it explains how God works um, in scripture and how God comes to us and how we see God working throughout the Bible. God creates the world. God comes to us in Jesus and God comes to us today even in the Holy Spirit as God's character, God's heart, God's will alive in you by faith. That's God the Holy Spirit. All right, now let's walk through the scriptures a little bit. In the, in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, we find that the word for the Spirit uh, is the word ruach. And it means wind, breath, or spirit. That's how it's translated. Ruach, wind, breath, or spirit. Um, and so when we find it in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, sometimes it's referring to a human spirit. So it can refer to an evil spirit. It can refer to the wind that blows. It can refer to the, the air that we, we breathe, like literally our breath. But also in the Hebrew Bible, in at least 100 cases, it refers to the Spirit of God. And so creation begins with God, the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God hovering over the face of, of the deep. And so that's the first time we see the Holy Spirit in the text. Um, and then we see that, that God breathes into the first human being the breath of life. And so for Jewish people and Christians and Muslims as well, the Holy Spirit animates life. The Holy Spirit is the spark of life, gives us life. Um, and that, that's all of life, animal life, human life, the lives of all living creatures, including plants and trees. It's the spirit that creates life in us. And so our bodies are formed in our mother's womb, but the spirit animates us and gives us life. And that's what we see um, that Job recognized in his own uh, witness when he said, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. By the way, the Hebrew word ruach is a feminine term. 
sometimes we don't really know. Do we call the spirit he or it or she? In the, in the Hebrew Bible, ruach is a feminine term. And so we have both the masculine and the feminine represented in the Trinity. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, we, um, we find that the spirit is unique and has a different role in the Old Testament than in the New Testament in some regards. Specifically, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon certain people. Not all people, but certain people for certain purposes. So the great warriors of old, when they're going out and God is calling them to fight some battle, to fight against evil or to destroy some evil enemies, the spirit will come upon certain warriors and give them power and strength that they couldn't, didn't have um, on their own. Um, when the prophets would speak, there would be occasions where they would, be, they, they would describe being filled with or being overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit had come upon them in a special way. We even see this with David who's dancing around. He's singing so much he can't even stop. He's so overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. And so that's why um, G, when Jesus quotes Isaiah uh, 61 and he claims this for himself, this is with the prophet Isaiah saying, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about that and then Jesus then takes that and says in the synagogue on the Sabbath day that this is exactly what is happening to him in a unique way. The Holy Spirit has come upon him. And has anointed him to bring this message of God to the world. And so up to this point, before Jesus, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people for certain purposes to carry out God's will. And then Joel says this, Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not just on special warriors and prophets. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. That's a wonderful text that would be fun to play with sometime. But anyway, about old men and young men and young men's visions and old men's dreams. That's a wonderful thing that I've just derailed the sermon on. This picture, this picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon everyone, not just the special ones, but everyone. And so when we get to the New Testament, and we find that the Greek word for spirit is the word pneuma, P-N-U-E-M-A, pneuma, and, and it also means uh, wind, breath, or spirit. And so some of you work with tools and you might work with pneumatic tools. If you have an air gun, that's a pneumatic tool. And what a pneumatic tool does is it pushes air through into the elements to and uses that air as power. So you can get more power using the pneumatic tool than with your own strength. And that's kind of what we find the Holy Spirit does in the New Testament. It fills the believers with power that they didn't have with their own strength. Um, and, uh, and so the Spirit empowers us, fills us with God's holy wind, God's holy breath, God's holy air, a great spiritual strength. The Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism. 
led him through the temptations in the wilderness, anointed him to preach the good news. Paul then tells us that it was the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And so that means that if the spirit animated, animates us, animates human life, that it was the same spirit who also animated Jesus' life. And what I want for us to remember or recognize today is that Jesus promised this same spirit to all of his disciples, that this spirit would dwell in them, would guide them, would, would walk with them, would work through them, would empower them, console them, comfort them, give them hope in the most unimaginable circumstances, and lead them to their salvation. Jesus promises all of this in the Gospels. But we so often fail to see it. We think, well, if I just give my life to Jesus and then I'll get my ticket into heaven, the rest of what, what else matters. <laughs> everything, everything. When Jesus spoke in John's gospel about the Holy Spirit, he used an Aramaic term that John then translated into Greek, and the word is paraclete. Um, Pastor Bree read it, at, it was translated advocate in the reading in John's gospel, but it's a compound word, so paraclete is another word for the Holy Spirit in John's gospel. Um, Parakaleo, para means to come alongside, and kaleo means to be called, and so literally the Holy Spirit is called to come alongside us, to every single one of us by faith, as we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is right there coming alongside us. But how often do we actually uh, remember this and are conscious of this? Um, Paraclete is sometimes translated as advocate because it's also in the first century a paraclete was actually a, a title. It was a person, it was a defense attorney in the judicial, judicial system and this person would advocate for you and would defend you against your accuser maybe when nobody else would. To think about the Holy Spirit as our advocate, wow, isn't that a wonderful thing? Um, also in the first century, the paraclete was, um, was a helper. Someone would help you if you're in distress. A counselor, someone who would come alongside and, and offer counsel and wisdom when you need to make a decision in life. Was also a comforter and consoler. Literally, someone who would be a shoulder to cry on. And then the Holy Spirit was even a companion, someone who would walk with you and suffer with you. All of these things were things in the first century around this term paraclete. And Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is all of these things for you by faith. Um, it's a wonderful gift. Uh, so uh, now if the Holy Spirit is already, and I'm going to wrap this up, um, is already dwelling in us, as Paul says, as Christians then, well, why don't we experience the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the peace of the Holy Spirit? Why don't we experience that on a day-to-day -day basis? Part of the reason could be that, well, maybe nobody's ever taught this to you before and we just simply don't know that the, what the role of the Holy Spirit is and that the Holy Spirit is available to us. Um, for others, it could be because it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. I know that's kind of my problem is I get so focused on what's right before me that I can't 
really see with spiritual eyes. That's why Bree mentioned the breath thing. It's right there, but we can't always see it, and we tend to be f- focused on our senses. Um, so also, uh, we can focus on Jesus and trying to become like Jesus, but forget about the Holy Spirit. Part of it is also sometimes that we allow things to get in the way of what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do and the work the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. We might have our own agendas for our life. We might have our own commitments or, or plans or attachments or things that we need to get rid of to avail ourselves to the Holy Spirit. So if you're a follower of Christ and you believe you have the Holy Spirit in you but you're not living according to the Holy Spirit or taking the time to be with the Holy Spirit, um, what that experience is like is kind of like this woman who is uh, trying to go up the escalator in the wrong direction. You can actually, this was like a viral video. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, uh, Yeah, so I know this from my own experience, not not with escalators, but with life, about trying to go in the wrong direction and everything just seems harder. It just seems like you're swimming upstream. You find life is harder because you're going against the way of the Spirit's leading, doing your own thing um, by your own power. But when we listen to the Spirit and we feel the Spirit leading us and working according to the Spirit, what we find is the Spirit starts to take over. And we can surrender more deeply and find ourselves in a, in a greater flow in our lives. I love the prayer that Paul prayed for the Christians in Rome when he said this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the, this is one of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of hope beyond hope. No matter what it is that we are going through, we might not even live through it. We might die. But there is a hope beyond hope that is given to us by the Holy Spirit that we can't find anywhere else in our lives. And that is an incredible gift. If you're feeling hopeless or afraid or weak or aimless in your life, could it be that the engine just needs some oil? And which of us doesn't feel that way sometimes? So how do we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit? Well, it's not very hard. It's not very complicated. It's not complex, but it is, it is challenging. It's hard. Um, you don't have to plead and beg God to do what God already wants to do in your life. God wants to set you free to be loved and to love. And that's what we all want too. And so the way we do this is, we, the, the key is to open ourselves up to it and to ask God. And that's, I think, the first and most simplest thing is that we ask for the Holy Spirit. We pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us. We, we think about it every day. As we're praying to the Father, as we're praying to the Son, we also pray to the Holy Spirit who is right with us. Help me to pay attention. Fill me today. Give me eyes to see, to notice what's going on around me. Just this very simple prayer. You could pray it in your shower, um, you know, end your shower with a cold shower. That's, I like to do that and pray, Holy Spirit, wash me, fill me, help me to remember my baptism and be with me today. So when we think, when we walk in the power of the Spirit, we find we have greater strength. We find we have less fear, not no fear, 
but less fear because we know the Spirit is with us, giving us direction. I'm going to conclude with just a real brief case study of how does this work in real life in a very ordinary situation. Last week, I got an email from one of our members who wished to remain anonymous. And he, he wrote to me and he said, I was thinking about that verse, um, uh, faith without works is dead. So that's a, that's a verse I preached on a few weeks ago. So first of all, let's just stop there. Um, the guy's already succeeded. He was thinking about scripture in, in his everyday life. Uh, notice that. And I believe that that was the Holy Spirit who put that scripture on that person's mind on that day. And he says, with that on my mind, God helped me see an opportunity on Sunday. So there was something he saw and he paid attention. The Spirit was prompting him to pay attention. Now, you can't prove that, but by faith, we choose to believe that. Um, Often we miss out on things going around us. And so he was paying attention and he said, and this is what he said, there was a stalled, there was a stalled and very beat up old car and I passed it and I felt I should stop to help. So let's pause there. There was something inside that was telling him to stop and help. What was that something inside? It's the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, I, I, choose to believe that, guiding him, whispering to him, and he, so he stops and helps, and, uh, and he says, the confused old gentleman said he couldn't change the battery. He said, I think your battery's dead. He said, I can't fix it right now. Why couldn't he fix it? Because the guy didn't have enough money to get a new battery, and so each day he has to figure out how to jumpstart his car so that he can get around, and the man said, I felt that I was supposed to take him to get a new battery. He felt he was supposed to take him to get a new battery. What was that? Um, It's the Holy Spirit um, saying, pay attention. I'm going to use you to bless this man today. So the man got in his car. They went and they got a new battery. And, uh, and he said that on his way home, he, he learned uh, something about this man. This man was 87 years old, and he was a Vietnam veteran, and he couldn't afford to, to get a battery for his car. Um, and so that was the, uh, they went off, and, uh, and he was on his way. Let me just ask, um, do you think that he felt, I don't know, remorse about stopping and helping that guy that day? Do you think he was like, man, I I just wasted an hour of my time? No, I I should have been somewhere else. No, that was not what he was thinking. He was in the middle of something that God was doing. God was already doing. And uh, and he said, I want to jump into that. I want to be a part of that work of the Holy Spirit, as small as it is. Did he he feel sad or anxious uh, at this moment? No. He felt joy overflowing because he was part of what the Holy Spirit wanted him to do. And, uh, and that's what I'm praying for you and for me through, that this, through the, this series, that we might walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might be attentive, um, that we might live by faith and have ears to, to hear and, and even be willing to name some things. I don't know if that's the Spirit or my own conscience or my own guilt or whatever it is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes and choose to believe that the Spirit is leading me to do this. 
Um, that's how we live by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, may it be so, may it be so, may it be so. May we open our hearts, open our minds, and intentionally each day, each morning, and throughout the day, tend to the Holy Spirit and, uh, and recognize the Spirit's presence with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being present to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're not just a figment of our imagination from a past long ago or something that might happen sometime in the future, but that you are present, that you are present. May we be present. May we be present to your presence. We often worry about the future and we often regret the past. Teach us to live in each moment attentive to what you're doing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.